share uh, a scripture with us. Just point out that Easter weekend, Easter Saturday, the churches together in Presbyter are coming together as a witness for our Saviour Jesus Christ, for music in the Boyfield Gardens, for bouncy cars of face painting, that's the plan. And there is a, if you like, an art exhibition. You're encouraged to, to paint something on the theme of resurrections and it'll be displayed in South Church Hall. That Saturday, there'll also be teas and coffees there. So if you're an artist in any way, if you've never done it before, you might be a brilliant artist that you don't know about it. Try it, okay, and then hand it in. It's going to be a great weekend. I encourage you to plan for that Saturday afternoon. Two to four in Boyfield Gardens. We'll need a bit of help. We'll explain a bit nearer the time. So before I do it, if I could say, um, this week... Um, You've probably noticed it, I've heard uh, Billy Graham went home. And as he's quoted before, use his words, one day you'll hear that Billy Graham has died. Don't believe it. I'll be more alive than ever. That's right. But it was MD here who came to faith through a Billy Graham crusade. Or you know of someone who came to faith through a Billy Graham crusade? Yeah? Hey. That's incredible. I was so encouraged. Uh, I was listening to Radio 2. It's only a radio channel that's really worth listening to. But it was a general insult, and they were discussing Billy Graham. And I was so blessed. There was a man phoned in. He says, 54 years ago, he went to the front of this crusade with Billy Graham. And he was standing there front, making a first-time commitment. And he says, and then I felt a tap on my shoulder. And I turned around, and there was my dad standing there as well. And what really encouraged me, he says, that was 54 years ago. And he says, I'm still growing on stronger in my faith and my commitment to Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Oh, incredible. And he was one of millions on planet Earth who have come to faith through the ministry of Billy Graham. We don't exalt the man, but we honor the man and the gift and the faithfulness. And what was incredible I heard from every one that was mentioned or every broadcast or even the radio, it says, through all his years of ministry, there's not been one scandal or one word of criticism against anything of his lifestyle or anything that he's done, whether it's financial or moral or anything. I mean, somebody's in the public eye like that, and God using them, that is an incredible testimony. It's phenomenal. You know, I like to, uh, to stand in a moment and it's not a kind of oh, morning thing. I, I like sport. And one of the greatest things, I think, recent years in sports, when somebody dies at a club or whatever, they have a minute's applause in honor. But I think we should have a minute of thanksgiving for the ministry of Billy Graham and the millions that were heaven. Somebody once said to me uh, this week, just imagine when he gets, when he got to heaven or wherever, I don't know about your theology, when he gets there and, and somebody says to him, or the Lord says to him, look, there's millions in here just so thankful for you, Dr. Billy Graham. And I just think, he's a hero in the Christian faith. He's a hero in our faith. And I think we need to applaud and thank God for this hero who's hearing the words, well done, good and faithful servant. So you don't need to, but I just think it'd be appropriate. We're not doing anything for Billy Graham. We are thanking God for the many souls that have been won for the kingdom of God through a man who is faithful to the call of God. He didn't put his gifts on me. 
he didn't send them back. He says, my gift is a call to evangelize and share the gospel. So I think for just for a minute, let's stand and let's give thanks and applause to the Lord for the life of God. Good to get you applauding before my message, because you might not be applauding after my message. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version of the Bible today. I'm reading from 1 Samuel chapter 30. Quite a long reading, you'll be pleased to know. Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziklag, and had over, oops, overthrown Ziglag and burned it with fire. And he took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, and carried them off and went their way. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no more strength in them to weep. Now David's two wives had been taken captive, Ahinoam, Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Please bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? And he said to him, Pursue, for you will surely overtake them, and you will surely rescue all. So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, where those left behind remained. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 who were too exhausted to cross the brook Bezor remained behind. Now they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and they gave him bread and he ate, and they provided him water to drink. They gave him a piece of fig cake and two clusters of raisins, and he ate. Then his spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong, and who are you, where are you from? He said, I'm a young man of Egypt, a servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind when I fell sick three days ago. We made a raid on the Negev of the Cherethites and that which belongs to Judah and on the Negev of Caleb and we burned Ziklag with fire. Then David said to him, will you bring me down to this band? And he said, swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master 
and I will bring you down to this band. When he brought him down, behold, they were spread over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. David slaughtered them from the twilight until the evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken and rescued his two wives, but nothing of theirs was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had taken for themselves. David brought it all back. So David had captured all the sheep and the cattle, which the people drove ahead of the other livestock, and they said, this is David's spoil. When David came to the 200 men who were too exhausted to follow David, who had also been left at Bezor, and they went out to meet David and to meet the people with him. Then David approached the people and greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men among those who went with David said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except every man, his wife, and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. David said, You must not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us, who has kept us and delivered into our hand the band that came against us. And who will listen to you in this matter? For as his share is who goes down to the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. Stop there. If you were here last week, we spoke about uh, David teaching a lesson of honor to a young man in Ziglag era. This is like a prequel to where that was. David, at this point, is living in a place called Ziglag, is with a guy called Akash. He's, Saul, he's on the run from Saul. Saul's out to get him and all the rest of it while fighting other battles. So David's living in this place, which is like Philistine-ish country, territory, under this connecting with a good guy called Achish. It's like bandit territory. If you read in the Bible, there's skirmishes with Geshurites, Gerizites, Amalekites. There's, it's like bandit territory. There's always wee fightings and pockets of fightings and kind of infighting and a whole lot of stuff going on. And David's nestled and he's away from where Saul is because Saul is really his enemy at this point. And the Philistines are about to fight David and they're basically saying, David, we don't really want you because you're a person of honor. And we're about fighting. If we start fighting, so you'll go and fight for him because we know that you honor him. And really, your heart's for Israel. So you've been good and we've got no complaints against you. We can't say anything against you here, but we're a bit concerned. This is, so you just go home to Ziklag. Okay, just you and your guys, just you get out the road. Get out the road and get away to Ziklag. And then, so they're traveling for a couple of days. And then they arrive at Ziglag, and when they find, when they get there, these rotten, stinking, horrible Amalekite folks had kind of raided Ziglag, burned all the houses and taken all their families, wives, families, kids, taking them all away. And you thought you had a bad day. Okay, David wasn't really having that great a time here, projected, and he comes back here and he sees his place, his house is burnt, and his families, wives, kids, they're all away. But this wasn't all bad news, because it's on the third day is when they got there. And then the third day, something happened. What it was making it worse for David also here was, David, we got there, and on the second day, his 600 followers who recognized him as leader, you're the great guy, you're the bee's knees, you're the best things in sliced bread, you're a hero, you're a legend, you're wonderful, David. 
That's what they thought in the second day until they got there to Ziglag and then they recognized, you're a terrible guy, David. You're a horrible guy. We're going to stone you to death. We're talk Let's stone him to death. It's all his fault. It's amazing how fickle human nature is and hasn't changed through the days. You can do a lot of great things. David had a lot of great things for these guys. He was a hero, legend. He cared for them. And yet, uh, one bad thing here, and it wasn't even his fault. And it's like, we're out to get you. We've had enough of you. You have had it. We're going to get you. So, David wasn't really having that great a time here. But five quick things here that David's done here, which were really good, are lessons we can learn. This is just put yourself in David's shoes. Listen, he was suffering as much as these guys. He had lost family as well. He probably had more suffering. He was probably grieving more, suffering more, because he recognized he was leader of all that has happened, and he'd done nothing wrong. And then he had a choice to make. He could have says, he could have become plan A, let me be the victim here. Hey, poor old me, let's have a pity party, let's react angrily, let's have a pity party, let's have, let me become the victim, let me dwell in my loss as well, and everybody's out to get me. Plan A, which says, oh, what I could do, I could kick in plan B, and I'm going to strengthen myself in God. I'm going to plan, listen, he said, a choice to make. He says, I've abandoned, I'm mistreated, I'm alone, I'm distressed, I'm grieving, I've had the worst days of my life, or one of the worst days of my life, and I've got a choice to make. It says, and all these people, and says, and thankful for people, and people can be encouragement, but people are out to get me, but you know what? I'm choosing not to live like that. I'm choosing even on the worst day of my life, or one of the worst days of my life so far, I'm making a choice. I'm not becoming a victim. I'm not becoming a poor old me. I'm not becoming a, oh, everything's going wrong. I'm not even going to choose to react the way that they're treating me. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to alongside God, because what he thinks of me is not what they're saying about me, and it's not dependent on my circumstances. He says, and what I'm going to do, I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord, because I know that Sam says, says that those who wait, Trust, hope, and the Lord will renew or will gain, gain new strength. They shall rise up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. He says, I've got a choice to make here. Things are tough, and I can go into a poor old me attitude, or I could say, you know what? I'm just going to get my God. I'm just going to spend time with the Lord. I'm just going to start singing Strength and Rise. You can see him getting his wee harp out, his wee travel harp that he took everywhere with him, so to speak. And he starts singing Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. I will wait upon the Lord. He says, I'm going to choose not to be a victim. I'm choosing not to be a poor on me. I'm choosing not to dwell in my circumstances and how bad it is. I'm just going to get alongside the Lord and I'm going to spend time worshiping him. I'm going to sing a song of praise to him. I'm going to dwell in his word. I'm going to spend time in his presence. I'm going to get alongside and I know when I do that, strength will rise. I'm going to be my new man. This is a time I desperately need the Lord and I'm not going to start blaming God. I'm not going to start blaming people. I'm not going to start focusing my problems. I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. I'm going to pull in more to him because if I draw near to him, he'll draw near to me and I'm going to say, Lord, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to, strength, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord because my strength is not found in poor people do to me. 
and that. No, it's not been written yet, but Paul's going to write in the days ahead, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. I know that Paul's also going to write, if God's for me, it doesn't matter. These guys are against me. The Amalekites are against me. I'm going to get alongside God. And now it's when you're going through tough times, it's not to pull yourself away from the Lord or pull yourself away to church. It's an even more pressing time to just get pulled in and say, Lord, things are bad, but I'm coming alongside. I'm going to spend time just praising you, worshipping you, meditating on your words, speaking life over my life. And you know what happens? Something changes within us. The circumstances don't change automatically, but somehow we change. We become different. And what we were below before, we start to rise above and we start exalting him and praising him and worshiping him. And he lifts us up and he gives us a new perspective and he gives us a new strength. And this morning, you might be thinking you're going through a tough time and we're not, I'm not minimizing tough times, but the answer to tough times is not to pull away, it's to draw closer and to say, Lord, I'm coming alongside. I'm going to worship. I'm spending time in your presence and I'm going to praise you. I'm going to bless you. It's good to have encouragement from people, but listen, people, even the best people are going to disappoint you at times. Paul said this at one point when he was writing to Timothy. The first time I stood in trial, I came before the judge, it says, everyone left me. Everyone abandoned me. No one came with me. Timothy 4.16, nobody came with me. Nobody, everybody abandoned me. They all left me. What a poor sight that was. Paul, one of the heroes of faith, one of the guys who done so much for the New Testament church. He said, but when then my tough time came and I stood before the judge, he says, nobody came with me to court. He says, in fact, everyone abandoned me, was verse 16 in his letter to Timothy. Verse 17 says this, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And if you're looking for your hope and your strength and your comfort in people, and we're here for you, you'll be disappointed at times. But I want to tell you, there's one who will always be with you, who will never abandon you, never desert you. And in your toughest time, he'll draw closer to you and he will strengthen you. And he strengthened David. And the time's going too quick, so I need to speak quickly. Okay, so first of all, David strengthened himself in God. But that wasn't enough. He said, I'm feeling a bit better. I'm feeling a bit, hey, this is, not, this is not as bad. I'm a bit better than I thought. Lord, I'm coming to a new place, but I still haven't a clue what I'm going to do. What should I do? But then he said, but he inquired of the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord, but then David inquired of the Lord. And we're not going into the process of the ephod or the way the priest, he got the priest and connected with God. It's not how he did it, but it's what happened. He says, I'm not going to look around and ask all them for the answer. Lord, I need you to come and speak into my life. I need you to tell me what I need to do. David, and you know, the danger is we look around and we look around and we go to as many people as we can find till we get somebody that says what we want to hear then say, oh, that's a word from God and I'm going to do that. Why don't you just go to the Lord himself? Why don't you just go and say, Lord, you can speak to me. Thank God for people speaking to my life, but I've got a relationship with you. Your word is alive for me as well. And I can come and I can say, Lord, speak to me, inquiring of you. Because the Bible says, this poor man cried, the Lord heard them and delivered them. In my desperation, one version says, I prayed and the Lord listened and he saved me from all my troubles. This was desperation for David, but he called to the Lord, God answered him. And God gave him an answer, what to do. God showed him. Listen, I'm inquiring of the Lord. If you, listen, if you've got questions, I want to tell you, God can hear you and God can answer you. God can speak to you. God can show you things. God can give you directions. Somebody says, your word's a lamp to my feet, a light from my path. Spend time in his word. 
pray over you and God can speak to you. God can give you direction. And David, it didn't go chasing, oh, who was around about him. He says, Lord, I'm asking what you want. Um, there's so many opinions going about. There's so many voices. I want to know what you want me to do. He inquired of the Lord. Then, and then he says, simply, should I stay or should I go? I don't think he sang it. But he says, should I stay or should I go? And then the word says, go. You're going to surely recover, rescue all. So David pursued. What did he pursue? He pursued the promise of God for his life. He says, I'm chasing after God's given me a word. Then he got all the guys together and he says to them, listen guys, I, I know things are bad. I know it's a bad day. I know things are bad. Things aren't that great at the moment. Things don't look that great. But I want to tell you, I've spoke to God, and God, God Almighty has spoke to me and said it's going to be all right. We're going to recover. We're going to rescue. We're not going to get it all back. We're not going to lose anything. That's our God. It's like Paul when he stood in the midst of the boat after the shipwreck in Acts 27. And he says, listen, guys, I know it doesn't look great at the moment, but there's an angel of the Lord who I serve who spoke to me during the night, and he says, it's okay. None of us are going to be lost. I want to tell you, in the worst of times, God can speak hope and life. In what appears hopelessness, God can speak hope and life into your world. And David got these 600 guys together and said, listen, guys, it's going to be okay. I know it's tough. I know you're not thinking well of me, but I've got a word from God. And you know what? I believe God. I believe God. He's been faithful to in the past. He's never let me down and I'm trusting that what he said to me is true and I'm pursuing what he says. I'm not ruling after what you say. I'm not living my life based on what you say. I'm living my life. I'm ordering my life. I'm setting my circumstances. The plans for my life are not what you think is going to happen. The plans for my life are based on what he says and he says we have to go after them. He says we have to pursue it. He says we have to chase after his promise that he's going to give us it all back. You know what? You do what you want guys but as for me, I'm going after them. I'm chasing after the promise of God. I'm pursuing the promise of God for my life. It doesn't look as if it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen, but he said it's going to happen. So I'm pursuing it. I'm speaking it. I'm living it. I'm going for it. And David pursued. And then there's a kind of meet amongst them all and 600 of them said, hey, okay, we'll go for it. We're up for it. They got to the place where uh, a couple of hundred were too tired to do it. Uh, too weak from battle. We recognize we can get weak and weary and battle weary at times. We understand that. God understands that. Sometimes just life hits us and we're tough and it's hard. And we need strength in ourselves and spend time in his presence. But I recognize sometimes it gets a bit tough. And it was a bit tough for 200. But David's pursuing this promise of God in his life. And then they came across this guy. This guy who was not a church person, not a Christian. Did not belong to the family of God. But listen here. But God placed this person into their world to help them achieve the purpose of God for their life. Come on. You've got people in your life who are not Christians, but God's brought them into your world and he's going to bring more people into your world and into your life and don't dismiss them because God's placed them there to help you achieve all that God has got for you. I really believe that. And what's even better in this one? This guy could have said, you know what? I was part of your problem. I was part of your problem here. But now I'm part of your solution. Wouldn't it be great if some people with the biggest pains in the neck to us become our biggest allies in our life? That's what God can do. And that's what happened here. David strengthened himself. God. David inquired of the Lord. David pursued the promise of God. And in point four of the five, David recovered all. I love that. David recovered all. 
he was still living in the third day promise of you're going to recover all. You're going to recover all. I'm fighting to recover all, he says. He recovered all because he was living. The third day promise was a day of restoration. Because living the third day is living in restoration that God provides. It was a day of restoration. Here, the Amalekites were reveling in their plunder. They were reveling in what they'd stolen from David and all his party and all the church folks, so to speak, and taking all the families and they were having a party. And David saw them just celebrating, partying because of what they'd taken from them. And I don't know you, but sometimes it's as if you see the enemy laughing over stuff that he's taken from your life. As if he's rejoicing and partying over what he's taken. But it says, but David recovered all. Nothing of theirs was missing when it came back. He brought it all back. And today, maybe you feel there's a sense of which the enemy's laughing at you because you've lost stuff in your walk or in your life. I want to encourage you that third day 11 is living in restoration. I believe he's a God of restoration. You may believe, I believe God wants to restore things that are lost in our life. You maybe don't believe me. Well, let me use the word of God just to throw out some stuff over these verses. Just focus on the Lord this morning. Some of these may apply to you. Because you might be thinking, it can never happen. I can never. I've messed up. I've messed up my marriage. I've messed up my career. I've messed up my ministry. I want to tell you today, it's a lie that says you can never get anything back. I believe God is a restorer. Psalm 23 says, he restores my soul. Psalm 14, 7 says, when the Lord restores his people. Not if, but when the Lord restores his people, they'll rejoice. Psalm 41 says, the Lord sustains them on their sickbed and restores them from their bed of illness. Psalm 3 says, the Lord is a shield that protects me. You are my glory you are the one who restores me. Jeremiah says, he will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds. If you've been wounded in life, I want to tell you, God can restore healing. And that's not just physical. I believe if you've been wounded in life, I believe you've been hurt and you think you're battle scarred and that wound is to forever. I believe that God can restore and whatever wounded you can become your greatest strength and menace on others. He can restore you. Ruth is a great story, and Boaz is a type of Christ. We're not getting to all that just now, but Boaz is a type of Christ. And to know me, it said of this, he shall be to you a restorer of life. He will be a restorer of life and nourishment in your old age. And listen, even in your old age, God can restore stuff back to you. Psalm 5 to me, when David blew it, it says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And do you know what happened? God did it. God restored to him the joy of his salvation. I've messed up. I've blown it. I don't know how I can get back into relationship. Restore to me that joy that I had. And what happened? God restored the joy. Even though it was David's fault. Even though he messed up. God didn't hold against. God restored the joy that was in him. Samson messed up. He messed up big time, Samson. But when he's coming in his last days, listen, he says, Lord, remember me and restore to me now my former strength, 
restored to me my former strength that I revenged my enemies. They've messed me about. I messed up and they had an impact to me and they messed me about. But Lord, Lord, I'm coming to the end of my days, but restore to me strength. One more time, I restore to me, Lord. Give me that strength back, that ministry I once had, that thing I used to have. I'm coming to the end of the days, but Lord, you can still do something. You can restore something in me that looks impossible. And do you know what happened? God did it. And do you know what happened? He destroyed more then than he'd ever done all through his life. And you might be old and you might be feeling I'm coming to end of my days, but God can restore something to you, which means you can accomplish more in your end than you have for the rest of your life. That's our God. Don't ask me how he can do it. I just know he can do it. Because he's a day of restoration. Restore to me. You will restore to me even greater honor and comfort once again, the psalmist says. You can maybe think, I've lost it, I've never been in. God can restore to you. You may have been in bondage in Deuteronomy. He says these people, the Lord will restore you from captivity. And one we all know, maybe you've wasted years through something through your own fault, but we all know in Joel 2.25, I will restore to you the years that the locust has in. You've maybe wasted years in your life through. I want to tell you, I don't know how it can happen because I'm not God, but I believe his word. I believe what he says. And he says, you've messed up for years, but I can restore to you years that your locust is in. I believe it's true because God's a restorer and living the third day is living in the restoring power of God that we can recover all, we can get back. It can be better. I don't know about you. You might challenge my theology. But I want to tell you, see their prodigal son, see when he came back, see when he was restored. He was a greater servant to father. His father, once he came back, he was at a greater appreciation of father's house when he came back. What God restored in him made him a greater and could achieve more and do more and have a greater relationship with father. So it doesn't matter how much you've messed up, God can restore. It doesn't matter how many years you've wasted, God can give you back and make up for it and do something miraculous. And I'm just, hey, oh. Clock needs to stop. It needs to stop. Okay, I'll go on maybe longer. And the reason is because the theological point, we lost a lot when Adam fell. When Adam fell, we lost that relationship with God. We lost the glory of God that covered us. We lost the authority and dominion that God gave us. We lost it all when Adam fell. And Adam gave us that. But then Jesus came. The last Adam came. He came on the scene. And what Adam took away from us, Christ more than added to us. He restored more. We come back into relationship with God. He begins to change us from one degree of glory to another. And Jesus says, I've given all authority. Now go in that authority. I'm giving you back the authority that you lost when Adam fell in the theological verses in it. Romans 5, 1, for instance, by the transgression, if by the one man or the one death of Adam reigned, Death reigned through Adam's disobedience much more. Get that? Much more. You receive the abundance of grace of the gift of righteousness which reign through, to reign in life through Jesus Christ. You need to get that. What we lost in Adam was that. But much more comes back in Jesus Christ. What we lost is nothing compared with God's restoring power in our life. Restore to me this morning. Have you lost something? 
Have you lost your joy? Lost your peace? Lost your relationship? I want to tell you, it can be marriage, it can be ministry, it can be relationship, it can be finance, it can be joy, it can be peace. I don't really care what it is. God knows where you're at this morning, but you're in a place where I've lost something. It's not quite been the same. There's something that's happened and I'm not where I was and I've lost this in my life. The enemy's come to steal and to kill and to destroy, but there's one who's come to give life in all its fullness. In all its fullness is not just a little bit, it's giving you all but it's a restoration and Adam took from us through his fall but Christ that last Adam ever says came and brought it all back and it's a day and he rose on the third day to make sure that we get what was restored to us who in conclusion but love also David shared what you got. Even in this grip of rejoicing and happy, we want to, and those that run away were the same number as David's army that were fighting the whole battle. So goodness knows how many they destroyed in the battle. But they took everyone. But even in his church, happy, clappy, celebration, whoa, whoa, one great gun, there's a bunch of chancellors in the church. They say, no, they, they didn't fight like us. Uh, they didn't fight like us. They don't deserve it. We deserve everything that God's got. We are the ones who fought through. We broke through. We claimed the promise of God. We were fighting for us. And we've got everything that God's got for us. Whoa, whoa. See them and didn't bother. I nearly said a word that I shouldn't have said. Them that didn't bother. Them. They, just give them back their wives. But they don't, they can't enjoy the spoils that we've won in our victory. And David basically says, or the Bible says, wicked and worthless men. So my version says them. Some versions say the evil men. And this was the church people. Who'd just been blessed and seen God do incredible things for them. But they said, no, no, you chancellors. Okay. We're all in this together. That keeps coming but every other week, honestly. We're us together. Okay. They've just been a bit too battle. They're just a bit too they're just the fight is just a bit too much for them just now. But we're still part of them. And the days come when we might need them to fight for us because we're going through a tough time. And what we need to do is share the blessings that we've got for them because they're just struggling a bit at the moment. And we need an attitude in the heart, in the house. It's not just about us because what God's given us is to share with those who are maybe just going through a tough time and are struggling just now. They've not quite got the fight and they need to get to a place of strength themselves. But just, they're no bad people. They're just, they're just too tough for them at the moment. The battle's too tough for them at the moment. But David says, listen, we were just in a great place where we were strengthened and we could achieve it. But it's not just for us. Because what gives and restore, what God gives and restore to us, it's not just for us. It's for us to share for others. It's for those. There's those in your world, they just, they're just not in the place yet to fight for all that the enemy's taking back, taking from them. But I believe that we can stand and say, listen, I'll go for you. I'll pray for you. I'll fight for you. I'm believing God for you. I'm prepared to do what I can. I'm going to chase the promise of God for you. Come and stand. Don't know why the band's not here yet. Okay. Maybe you've lost, you know, and, and it could be anything. I'm not going to put specifics here, but you know that there's something needs to be restored in your life. Maybe it's, it's joy, it's peace, it's love. Maybe it's marriage, it could be a relationship, it could be career, it could be ministry. But you know that the enemy has robbed you. 
you know that the, the enemy has taken what's yours. But I want to tell you, it doesn't need to stay that way. Because third day living was a promise, David, you're going to recover all. You're going to take back what the devil, what the enemy stole for you. He probably sung that song. We've been to the enemy's camp. We're not going to sing that, but he probably sang. I could just imagine him. The, the enemy was having a great party, but hey, David and his gang had a better party. And they were all saying, we've been to the enemy's camp. We took back what he stole from us. And we are different. Because Ian Guy, oh, you guys didn't go. We're here, and we're going to give you some of the blessing in our lives. Because that's the difference. If you look at this young guy, there's a keynote that says, when I fell sick, my master abandoned me. I get too weak to fight, so he just left me. Useless. David says, that's a different kingdom principle for the kingdom we are. The folks that were too weak, we're not abandoning them. We're including them. We're encouraging them. And the day when we brought seven people in, there'll be times that they'll be encouraging and fighting for us. But there's people in our world, we know, they're struggling. I want to tell you today, you can fight for them. You say, I'll go for them. I'm believing for restoration. I've said this for years. I'm believing that people are coming back and being restored to Christ. And I've said this before. I believe those who went out single, they're going to come back as families. Because maybe one was lost or went away, but what's coming back is more than what left. I believe those who used to be love God or love Jesus but not walking anymore, they're going to come back with a greater love for him. They're going to love him and serve him better than they've ever done. But this morning, you know you've lost something. You know something's been taken from you. We're going to just pray, God, you're the restorer. God is a restorer. We're going to recover all. And if you can't think of anything, you know some people in your life, they're maybe not walking the way they should. The maybe just stuff's happened and they're not quite where they should be. But you can fight for them this morning. And we can just make a declaration over our life and say, Lord, God, thank you for the promise that we can pursue and recover all because Jesus won the victory for me. Jesus has already done it. We just need to go and take hold of what you've already promised. There might be a bit of battling because he's dead, but still deadly, as the group study says. And he's still chasing about trying to kill, but it's wrong. It's not our rightful place. God's a restorer this morning. Lord, I pray, Lord, just spend time in his presence, just where you are, just between you and him. You know the stuff that needs restored in your world. You've lost something. There's something missing. Something's gone. And it could be any one or a number of things. But this morning, I'm speaking a word of faith that says you're going to recover all. God's the restorer. The third day means you're going to recover all. You're going to regain everything and more than what was lost. How can my marriage ever be the same? I don't know, but I'm believing in God. It can be greater than it ever was before. How can my ministry, my career, how can it be ever the same? I don't know, but I know God. And I know that God's a restorer. And much, whatever we lost, much more we receive in Christ Jesus. And Father, I look out over this group of people, and I don't know where they're all at, Lord, but you see into every heart. You see why we're crying out to you. You see the pain, you see the heart, you see, Lord, what has been lost in lives. But Lord, I thank you, you're a restorer. 
Lord, we're a people who believe. We're strengthening ourselves in God. We're inquiring and we're hearing you say into our worlds, go, you're going to recover all. There's nothing going to be lost. You're going to take back everything the enemy stole. Lord, we do that. We pursue, we take your promise, we apply it and we believe for the love, the joy, the family members, the relationships, the marriages, the finance, the careers, the ministries we thought were over. We believe in you're going to restore and the greatest days are still ahead because we're going to do more in the end because you're going to restore years and you're going to restore strength you're going to restore ministry you're going to restore power greater anointing greater strength greater power greater salvations in our world Lord we cry to you this morning and we believe that you're a restorer and we stand together as a group who say we are taking hold of everything the enemy is taking back we'll say no more we're pursuing. We've got a word from God. Our God has said, go and get it. Go and take back what you've stole for us. And we are taking it back. We're receiving it. We're receiving the promise. And we are pursuing your promise. And we're never giving in until we see the promise fulfilled in reality in our world. And Lord, we thank you. It's not just for us. You're going to give us more back. And it's not for us, but it's for us to share, Father God, for those who are maybe struggling, that we can pour life into them. We can pour victory into them. We can pour blessing into them. We can pour healing into them. We can pour restoration into them. Lord, I thank you today that you hear the cry from every heart. And I thank you that in the days ahead, we're going to hear incredible testimonies of restoration for your glory. And for the good of your people. Thank you, Father God, that living in the third day means we live in the restoration that Christ Jesus won for us and rose to ensure that we take hold of and pursue in our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Your goodness knows no bounds. Your goodness never stops. Your mercy follows me. Your kindness fills my life. Your love amazes me. And I'll sing because you are good and I'll dance.